Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called When God Calls You. As God never intended the wilderness to be the final destination for the Hebrews, instead, like Joshua, He wanted them to set their sights on his provision, the positive outlook, and unwavering faith. So is your current frame of mind directing you towards the wilderness or to the promised land? Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then you may do so also right there at reallife.org. The text is Joshua chapter 1. The message from Pastor Sean Azaro is part 2 of A New Home. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I think there is some very powerful New Testament application for us. In fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, I I really encourage you to turn in your copy of scriptures, Hebrews 3, and then we're going to read on into 4. We're going to start with verse 14. The writer makes some very powerful applications regarding this to the New Testament believer. He begins and he says this in Hebrews 3. He says, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. That's a fascinating idea. It's when we come to know Christ, we recognize I'm lost in my sin. Apart from him, I I cannot be saved. My sin has put a death penalty on me. And Jesus Christ, who had no sin of his own, gave up his life voluntarily to pay my just, righteous death penalty. So I can't save myself. And salvation is all about understanding that and thanking him and receiving that gift, letting his sacrifice pay the penalty for my sins. But the point is, It's very possible for us to say, yeah, I want salvation. I don't want to go to hell. And and then kind of go, okay, but that's it. I'm done, right? No, you got to understand, it wasn't just about avoiding hell. God has something he created us for. And apart from him, we'll never experience it. And the writer's saying, we will want to share in Christ. And all that that means, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear they will never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that if they were not able to enter because of their unbelief, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that, and note that phrase, I love that, entering his rest. Wait a minute, he's talking about the promised land, entering his rest. Just kind of tag that. The promise of entering his rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found with fallen short of it. For we also have had good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Note that connection. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. They shall never enter my rest. See, the goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. 
In leadership circles, we talk about going from here to there, right? Because that's fundamentally the leadership job, taking people from here, where we are, to there. And understand, bottom line, as a leader, if you've ever led people, you know you're fundamentally taking someone. When you're really moving people, you're taking them from somewhere where they're kind of comfortable and they've settled to someplace they don't want to go. And you go, well, how do you know? That's kind of dark. That's kind of glasses half empty. Well, I know they don't want to go there or they'd already be there. And we tend to get comfortable and kind of just kind of do our thing and kind of just make do. And leadership is all about saying, no, 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 here is not the final destination. And we've got to paint a picture of there that is compelling. That's what vision is. It's a picture of a compelling future that says we, we're willing to leave here and go through the, the tough middle space to get there. The focus is not just on leaving here. The focus is there. And they forgot that. I'm afraid a lot of us as Christians live in this weird kind of wilderness experience, somewhere between the past and the promise. I think sometimes we know we needed to leave Egypt. We understood our need. You man, our sin was hurting us. It was hurting others. And I don't want this anymore. And man, Jesus sounds great. I want to be forgiven. I don't want to be guilty. I want to be free. But it's like we kind of then just step out and okay, now I'm just not that anymore, but I don't really know what I'm supposed to be. And we end up in this middle wilderness longing sometimes for Egypt. At least there I could do what I wanted. But never understanding, no, no, there's something we're created for. God has a place, a land of promise. And it's not a place we're just supposed to visit. It's a place we're supposed to live. It's a state of living in him. A couple things Paul makes real clear from that Hebrews passage and I want us to look at. Number one, the promised land is a place of belief and obedience. It is a place of belief and and obedience. Very important. And I did, each of the points this morning is going to have a double piece because they go together. These always go together. Okay, belief or faith is a belief so strong you have to act on it. That's how you know. We can talk about, oh yeah, I believe this, I believe that. Well, you know what you believe based on what you do because real belief always impacts our behavior. Hebrews eleven six tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. By the way, that's a pretty good starting point for faith, right? Believe that God exists. But you talk about some people who kind of call themselves people of faith. Well, do you believe God's really here? Do you believe he really exists? Oh, I don't know. Well, okay, you got a problem in your faith. They come to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith is fundamental. And when you think, start thinking about unbelief, Okay, unbelief really manifests itself actually in this idea of believing something else more. Okay, the unbelief is that we believe something else more. They, they heard the message, God wants us to go on the land, but they actually believed, yeah, but those people are going to kill us, and I believe that more. We're going to be dead, our children are going to be plundered, our wives are going to be plundered, and we're going to be, we'd be better off back in Egypt. That's what they believed. You know, we talk about beliefs, okay, we, we believe in him we live and move and have our being. That's in the scriptures. It's biblical. Powerful idea. In him we live and move and have our being. We are full in Christ. When we have Jesus, we have everything. These are things we profess. These are things we proclaim. These are things we believe. Satisfaction is found only in him. The problem is there are other beliefs that press in on us. Like satisfaction is found in work. Satisfaction is found in work. And so we get so engaged in work and we become workaholics. Satisfaction is found in achievement. I'll be, I'll be okay, I'll be satisfied, everything will be good when I get this next achievement, when I hit that next advancement, that next level. If I, when I get that, then I will be okay. Then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be that person that God intends for me to be. 
Sometimes we think satisfaction will be found in a beautiful home, says the guy who just moved into a beautiful home. Is that going to do it? Is that, is that it now? Ah, now, now we've arrived? If I live in that neighborhood, if I live in that house, if I get, let me just tell you, we've only been in our new house like a month, okay? And we love it. It's great. You get to help design it. It's so cool when you get to do that. It's awesome. But you, it's just like a new car. You know the problem with a new car. You pay a lot more for a new car, and then after like one month, it's not a new car anymore. After a few months, it's your old car. Okay, it's just your car, and it's not a new car, and you're still paying for that new car price. Buy a used car, you know, because then you got 30 days of, oh, it's a used car, and then after all that, it's just your car. And I'm not, we're already in our house. We absolutely love it. We're so thankful. We're very grateful. But you know how it is when the new wears off, and it's like, oh, man, we got to fix that. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. Oh, we got to remember we need to do this, and we, we need to get that set. And, we need, and, and all of a sudden, it's just your house, and you're doing the same stuff you did the old house because it's you. If you think the house is what's going to make you complete and full, see, that's a belief thing. Maybe it is a new car. You know, if I drive that, then I'll be, and, and whatever. We have all these different beliefs that just collide with the core understanding. Wait a minute, in him we live and move and have our being. And I am truly satisfied. And if I have Jesus, I have everything I need. His presence, his power, his leadership, his guidance, the doors that he opens, the doors that he closes by his grace. You see, it's a clash of belief. And I want to suggest this is one of the hardest parts for believers. This is the huge growth curve because we literally have to leave an old set of beliefs and come into a new set of beliefs. And that's really hard. And when everybody around you is kind of thinks you're crazy because you're operating on a set of beliefs they can't see. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That's a typo. It was pointed out to me after first service. Thank you to those who did that. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You, you know, this is hard. Because we live in a world that walks by sight. We're standing on the edge of the promised land. Those are big walls. Those are big, formidable-looking armies. Those weapons are really serious. I see that. Faith says, yeah, but God is bigger. Their protection's been removed. No, no, I'm looking at their protection. It's, it's, it's right there. No, but, but, but God is with us. See, I, I see that. I I don't see God right now. Oh, I've seen what he does, but I'm walking by sight. And Paul says, no, no, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's one of the hardest parts. See, I don't believe in blind faith, quite honestly, because I think once you begin to follow Jesus and you begin to step out in faith, the first few times it feels like it. But then when you see what he does, because we, we, we've said before, the power of God is always released in obedience. When you Take a step of obedience based on your faith. Then you see God work, and after a few more times that, you begin to, your faith becomes big because you believe in God, you've seen it, and you experience it. Yes, it's not like physical vision, but it does become a sense. I have a sense that God is present. I have a sense that God is able, and it changes you. You have a different grid because you have a different set of beliefs. And belief and obedience always go together because your belief always impacts your behavior. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called A New Home. The series is called Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. 
Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, A New Home. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, remember his story, he was martyred under the Nazi government. He said this, he said, for faith is only real when there is obedience, never without it. And faith only becomes faith in the act of obedience. Remember what James said? Faith without works is what? It's dead. The works are not what, what kind of is the, is the core, but real faith always produces different behavior. Every single time. And so it's said that what kept that people out of the place of rest was unbelief. And they just said no. See, the promised land is a place of belief and obedience. And there's a true gift there. The goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. A second thing the writer of Hebrews lets us know about the promised land is the promised land is a place of vision and provision. And these always go together. Do you know why these go together? Our whole life, we are trained and raised, our whole life tends to be about provision. And that is a vision killer. Really. For many of us, the only vision we've ever been trained in or ever had is to make and keep resources, keep provision. Think about it. I mean, even when we talk about school, once you get past the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic, and kind of those basic skills... Now we start focusing, and it's all about getting to the next level. What's, what's the purpose? Okay, I've got, I got to get to that next level. I've got to get out of college. I've got to get grad school. Next level, next level, next level. And it's to, for the purpose of getting the right job and making enough money because that's what you do. And everything else is kind of negotiable. That is non-negotiable. The job, the money, the resources, that's the non-negotiable. Everything else is negotiable, and everything else has to fit in around that. Let me tell you, that is an absolute vision killer, and it is totally contrary to God's design. God never intended us to organize our life around making and keeping money. It's a true story. I mean, I mean and some of you are looking, well, Sean, fine, sure. You know, not everybody can have a half a day a week gig like you. I mean, come on, some of us have real jobs, right? I see you out there. I feel your judgment. Okay, I feel, I feel it deep. You you do understand, God knows more about your industry and your job than you do. Than the best authors, experts in your field do. And he wants to work there. And this may surprise you. Um, 
our elders do actually ask me to work more than half a day a week. I think it's unfair, but uh, whatever, you know how they are. I have all kinds of opportunities every single week to trust in the flesh more than I trust in the spirit. Because this is an organization. There's lots of work in leading it. You know, every week, Paul Galley and I, Paul is our, our pastor of administration, and he oversees our finance things, does a great job. Every week we sit down, how are we doing? We can be able to keep the doors open yet another week. Good news, guys, his payroll's going to clear. Excellent. Woo-hoo. It's not that quite, you know. But Paul and I, seriously, we have, we have stuff that we have to talk about, and then the elders have to talk about, and the, different, and the management team. There's just business of leading this organization. And we have every bit as much an opportunity to kind of fall back into the flesh, making decisions in the flesh, kind of operating in the flesh, because there's property, there's money, there's laws that you have to deal with. There's all this stuff we have to deal with. And I, I have to tell you, I wish we were immune. I wish I could say I never had this temptation when I face one of those things to go, holy cow, I better call this, I better do this strategy, I better check. Oh, wait a minute, maybe I should pray first. Maybe, maybe the Lord's doing something. Maybe the God who miraculously gave us this property has something going on. Maybe God wants to do something. And, and you know, you, I, I can see you guys right now, you're having church. Like, oh, Sean, you have little faith. Mm, Sean, you need to hear this message. Good for you. You know where I'm going with this, right? Because if it is a challenge for me, and if God is faithful for me, let me tell you what, he wants to be faithful for you. And in your finances, in your mortgage, in your decisions, at your work, with your clients, and the things that you have to face, you got to decide, can I really kind of walk with him and say, God, I, you've given me this job. And for most of you, God has you where he wants you, and you're in the job you're supposed to be in. Some of you, maybe you're not. Maybe he really does want you to change into a different career, different thing, and just know that the goal, his object is following him. The provision is just a part of his gift. This is hard stuff, because this is your life, okay? God wants to mess with your life. Do you know that? And what he wants to do is he wants to make it abundant life. He wants to, at your work, yes, you're going to have to do the stuff you got to do. You're going to have to do the business you got to do. He wants you to actually though thrive, and he wants you to be able to seek him at work. You remember this passage of scripture. If you're, if you're in a place right now where you're struggling with work or with finances, and it is, you recognize, that's my whole vision right now, just surviving and kind of making a, a living. If that's where you're at, I want to challenge you, read Matthew 6. It is one of the most powerful just incredible testimonies to that state. And you know, it culminates in these, these verses, Matthew 6, 33 and 34. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What, what are you talking about? What things? Food, clothes, the stuff you need. He's not unrealistic. He knows what we need. Our needs were given to us to draw us to him, not away. Unfortunately, our needs often draw us away from him. That's technically idolatry. Our needs were designed to draw us to him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And you're like, okay, Sean, you've never been to my company, my job. There is no righteousness to be found. Okay, I can't seek his righteousness there. I, I understand that feeling. And for some of you, you might say, yeah, bottom line is what I do is kind of unrighteous. And I shouldn't probably be doing it. And I, was just, I just want to affirm that. You shouldn't. If that's the case, if you go, I can't seek his righteousness at my work. If you truly can't because it is basically unrighteous, then go get another job and know he'll take care of you because he's your provider. The job is his provision. He is the provider. 
But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That is such a powerful promise. And you, let me tell you, when you get to that place where you actually can, can begin to see him as provider, and even through your work, start focusing more on what are you doing, God? And each day, God, I want to follow you in this. When you actually do that, and you don't worry all the time about your provision, you just opened up a whole ton of vision bandwidth. You know what I mean when I say that? Your, if your vision is all soaked up in a guy, i got to make, keep, invest money, provision. And God's saying to you, lighten up. I want to be your provider. I want to provide for you everything you need. You just realize a whole bunch of vision bandwidth opened up to where, well, God, then what do you want my life to be about? If it's not fundamentally about making a buck and keeping a buck, what is it? What is it? You mean this thing you've put in my heart to make a difference in the world? You want to do something with that? You mean the things I've seen around my company that, boy, if someone could take some time and speak into people's lives or invest in some people kind of stuff, it could really make a difference. Or that thing in my neighborhood that I've had a sense you want me to do something about, but I'm just too busy working overtime. You mean now all of a sudden I could be a part of that and I could actually impact people and change the world? Yes, that's exactly what he means. A whole bunch of vision space opens up. The promised land is a place of vision and provision. That's why the goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. Last thing. The promised land is a place of rest and refreshing. And those always go together. I love that phrase that he used. They shall not enter my rest. Talking about the land, not a place to visit. Rest is not a place we're supposed to visit. It's where we're supposed to live. I just want to ask you, you ever get tired? And by tired, I mean just that sense of I'm tired, stress and struggle. I'm tired. It's like I'm on this treadmill that never seems to go anywhere. That is not God's design for you. He didn't create you for that. He wants you to find rest in him. He goes on later on in Hebrews 4, verse 9. He goes a little more and says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I love that. He's not talking about just the Sabbath day, just a day. He's talking about this idea of a pause, the ability to rest in him. The whole principle of Sabbath is, man, you can take a day off and the world doesn't stop. Look, God is the one who actually keeps it going. That's the principle of Sabbath. It's a, po- it's a point of worshiping by saying, I do not keep the world turning. And my taking a day off, everything didn't fall apart in the world. It just reminds us, oh yeah, God, It's all about you. So this is bigger than just a Sabbath day. He's talking about there is that pause. There then remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now look what comes next. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, when you see that little connection, that junction right there, four, it connects it. I've quoted this scripture a a thousand times, never connected it to this idea of rest. The word of God being connected to the rest that he has for us. The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit. Sometimes when you're at those crossroads of obedience... And you know God's voice is leading you one way, and, but every fear, opinion, all the other stuff is pulling me this way. 
it penetrates. God's word is penetrating and dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Am I going to rest in him or am I going to depend on the world system? Am I going to listen to the conventional wisdom of the masses or am I going to listen to the still small voice of the spirit? What am I going to do? Am I going to just kind of live in the wilderness or am I going to actually live in the land of promise? I love the passage in Matthew 8. I'm excuse me, Matthew 11, beginning at 28. Jesus talks about rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Look at how he describes it. This is just so interesting. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. These are agricultural people. They knew. You're talking about what oxen use to work. Rest. What's that got to do with rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not talking about constant inactivity. We think of rest as inactivity. It's not. It's directed activity. It's the whole thing doesn't fall on me. It's I don't have to run and run and run and try to make it all happen. No, no, I just have to follow and obey and operate in his power and his spirit. I'm telling you guys, this is life-changing stuff. Living in the land of promise. That's what God was doing in Joshua. That's what his spirit is trying to do in us. The question is, will we let him? The goal is not just to leave Egypt. The goal is to live in the land of promise. How are you doing? How are you doing at living in the land he created you for? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called A New Home in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.